The Craig Fawley Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Lynette's Shrimp House, located in Highland Park. It's Metro Detroit's premier destination, serving juicy fried shrimp, fish, and wings, alongside soul food sides and new additions to the menu, like turkey tacos and desserts. Located at 13548 Woodward in Highland Park, just north of the Davison, Lynette's is open for takeaway, noon to 8, Tuesday and Thursday, noon to 10 p.m., Friday and Saturday, and noon to 5 p.m. on Sunday. Call now, get some Lynette's. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me on this Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Uh, and coming up on the program today, many of you may expect that I'd be going into the Wayne County Board of Canvassers meeting yesterday. Uh, I'm going to save that for Friday because I think that needs to be part of the week that was. And I know some of my guests will have much to say about what went down in that meeting yesterday. Very un- unusual in that we actually had uh, two members of the four-member board of canvassers refusing to certify the vote here in Wayne County, specifically concerned about the vote in the city of Detroit. Despite there being absolutely zero evidence of any wrongdoing in that election, uh, maybe a couple of ballots here and there that didn't necessarily match up, but nothing. Nothing that was going to make up the gap that exists there. Uh, basically, it seemed to me to be a giant stall tactic designed to give some of these legal uh, cases time to germinate and, and to just muck up the system enough where people might have questions about whether or not this was legitimate. I'll have a lot more to say about that on Friday's program, and uh, I m- encourage you to tune in for that. But today, I want to talk about something else that is very, very important. You know, a lot of college students don't necessarily have the financial training that they need to make good decisions about everything that they're doing. Getting student loans, credit cards, finding ways to make ends meet while they're in school so they don't graduate with a lot of debt or or debt that is unmanageable upon graduation. Wayne State University took a look at their student body and the individual needs that some of their students had and decided that they were going to try and do something about it. Uh, One of the things that they're coming up with is something called the Wayne State University Financial Capability Center. Now, this is a pilot program designed to give students that financial education that they need so that they don't graduate with huge debt. They don't graduate with an unawareness on how to deal with it. They're hoping that it improves credit scores, gives higher savings rates, and higher participation in the future in retirement account usage, giving them the financial tools they need to make good decisions with their money uh, when they graduate from Wayne State University. And I found out about this by reading a LinkedIn account from somebody I'm connected to, a guy named Matthew Rowling, who is going to be joining us here in just a moment. And I thought it was a great plan and the kind of thing that I think uh, should be done really at every university. In fact, some of this education should probably start in high school uh, so that people are ready and prepared uh, for what they are facing. Because for many people, this is their first experience with real money and talking about large amounts of money to get a college education these days. So it's not anything to sneeze at. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this program because I thought it was pretty darn cool. And my guests today are the aforementioned Matthew Rowling. He is the founding executive director of Wayne State's Office of Business Innovation. He is joined by Julie Hollinshead, who is an adjunct faculty member of the finance department at the Mike Illich School of Business at Wayne State University. Matthew and Julie, welcome to the Craig Volley Show. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. It's a pleasure to to be here with you, Greg. Thanks for having us, Greg. Absolutely. And and I guess I want to start out with uh, the need for a program of this type. Uh, you know, 
I, I have known for a long time that, that financial literacy has been a big problem uh, in just about every level of society. Uh, we all make financial mistakes from time to time, but they can be compounded if you are not starting out from a good place to begin with. Uh, I guess the question is, not, Julie, I'll start with this with you on this one, because I know this is something you've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, how far behind the eight ball are our people when it comes to, you know, getting a good start in life, even even with a college education? You know, it really varies by this by the person. And uh, Matt and I both teach a course, personal finance planning, offered by the Illich School of Business, and it's amazing the range of um, students we get. I have a student this semester who said that even though she'd taken two finance classes, two accounting classes, two statistics class, she learned so much about the personal financial tools she needs to lead um, a responsible uh, life financially uh, as an individual. Um, Everything from a student who's well-versed in business um, finance principles to students who, you know, frankly, have had nowhere to turn, you know, whether it be their own families or whatever their community is, they have no place to turn to get the financial toolkit to help them understand the choices they have and the ways to make a prudent financial decision. Well, and, and uh, for, for, Matt, for you, I mean, looking at Wayne State University, Wayne State in particular, the student body there, is, most of them, uh, a lot of them have more significant financial challenges than you'll see at a lot of other comparably sized schools. Why was this something that Wayne State looked at and said, okay, we can, we can do better on this than we have seen otherwise? Absolutely, Craig. Um, when you look at Wayne State's student body, uh, almost half of our students come from families that, as defined by HUD, um, housing and urban development, they come from low to moderate income families. And and if you look at some of the larger schools in the state like Michigan State or the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, um, those students generally tend to come from families that are much more affluent. Uh, So so as as Julie mentioned, just the, the, the range of students that come to Wayne State, it's incredibly important that we arm them with the tools that they need to not only matriculate, which, which has been a big issue for Wayne State the last decade or two and, and actually get to the finish line and graduate. But we also wanna make sure that they have the tools to not just get a job, but also to be good stewards of their money going forward when they enter the, the workforce. Well, and, and for a lot of people, um, you know, they maybe are coming from high school, obviously going to, going to college. Uh, they've had maybe part-time jobs really have never dealt with any large sums of money. And all of a sudden you're thrown into a situation where you're taking out student loans or, or whatever. And all of a sudden you're, you're talking about real money that you are going to be responsible for at some point in time. Did you find that people were just unprepared for that? Because just graduating and getting a job doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make the right choices in terms of managing uh, this, this sort of new realm of financial uh, responsibility that you have. You know, you know, Craig, uh... Uh, it, it's for, for Julie and I, I mean, it, it's such an important responsibility because I remember when I was 18 year old, you know, when I was 18, if, if somebody gave me a, you know, a big blank check and said, here, have, you know, go at it. I probably would have made, a, I probably would have made a lot of bad decisions as well. And, and on top of that, it, it's incredibly difficult to discharge student debt um, in bankruptcy. And so we're asking 18-year-olds to make incredibly important decisions 
that will impact uh, their their finances going forward for a very long time. Well, well, Julie, I mean, from your perspective, what do you find is typically the biggest mistake that people make in that situation? Uh, because, you know, again, student debt, if you get behind on it, can spiral. And as Matt just said, you know, discharging that in bankruptcy is is increasingly difficult and politicians have really tried to make it so uh, over the years. Um, there is some discussion about modifying the system, but I don't know that's going to happen anytime soon. So what's the biggest mistake people make? I, I think um, I would rephrase the issue. To me, the biggest issue is that students don't understand exactly how the loan works, what the fees are, what their payment obligation is what the interest rate is and how all of that will work the minute they walk out the door of Wayne State. And that's something that we cover in our course. Um, And let's let's talk about that for just a little bit, because, you know, there are a lot of different things that, uh, you know, people need to learn in this. and, And it has been sort of underemphasized, I guess, in in education for a long time, financial literacy and financial issues. Uh, how do you determine which things need to be in a program like this? Um, well, Matt actually is the uh, the creator of this course, and um, we've continued to build on what he originally set up. But there's so much, Craig. Just to um, give you, let me tell you a story about one of my students uh, from last spring. One of the areas that we cover is how credit cards work and how the interest rate is very high and how if you uh, just pay the minimum balance, that debt is going to build and build and build. And so I had a student tell me that after we covered that information, he realized how much debt he had. In fact, he had $4,000 in credit card debt. And now that he understood his options, he actually had the flexibility to pay off his credit card debt, which he did. So many times it's students not understanding the options that they have and what are the most prudent options. And when you give them the knowledge, then they take that knowledge and act on it. Well, and, you know, I'm looking at some of the things that you're hoping come out of this, Matt. I mean, some of the goals that you have articulated here, improvements in credit scores, higher savings rates, and then also higher participation in retirement account usage. And that was something in my last job, trying to encourage uh, my employees that, that, look, we've got a match here. <laughs> you should participate in this. And it still was a difficult argument to make for a lot of them. They only saw the short term uh, you know, a subtraction from their paycheck and not the long-term potential gain there. And that seems to be sort of a disconnect that exists in a lot of different financial situations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to kind of put a finer point on, on your last question, Craig, I, just, I um, looked at every mistake I personally made between the ages of 16 <laughs> and 30. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have an hour here. <laughs> uh, no, you know, uh, the, the, 401k, the 401k or the retirement plan issue, that's, that's where we kind of start to delve into an area that I absolutely love. And it's uh, behavioral economics, which is uh, behavioral psychology for money. Uh, there's a famous study. It's it's the uh, opt-in versus opt-out plan. Uh, you know, and it kind of speaks to uh, it kind of speaks to. I'm sorry, I forgot to. Um, kind of speaks to um, human beings' uh, inertia bias. And you know, it's not that we don't want to participate in retirement plans, but the choices can be so overwhelming for us that we don't want to make a decision. 
And so when we join a job and the HR person slides the piece of paper across the desk and says, sign here and be a part of the plan, you get about 30 or 40% participation. But when that, if in organizations where it's opt out and, and the person slides the paper across and says, sign here to not be a part of the plan, you see participation rates over 90%. So a lot of what Julie and I are trying to, to do with this center is to harness the power of behavioral psychology and behavioral economics so that we're making it, um, you know, you, you, can, you can explain interest rates to someone and you can explain uh, the compounding impact of investing over time. But at the end of the day, you have to structure their world and their relationship with money in such a way so that it's easy uh, and fun and that it connects with their, their peer group. I should remind folks, my guests right now are Matthew Rowling and Julie Hollinshead of Wayne State University. We're talking about uh, a vision for the Wayne State University Financial Capability Center. Um, Julie, I mean, who is this intended for? Is this intended for any students that, that want to participate in this? And is this something that, you know, should potentially become like a mandatory part of everybody's, uh, you know, college experience? That's a great question, Craig. Um, our initial focus is going to be on students with acute financial needs. Those are the students we feel we can help the most in terms of stabilizing their financial lives. Um, theoretically, it could be a student with any financial need. And of course, we'll continue to have the personal finance planning course, which goes much deeper into 15 different personal finance topics. Um, ranging from short-term to medium-term to longer-term issues like re retirement savings. Okay. So, so obviously, there's uh, you know, going to be different levels that people can, uh, can uh, take advantage of here. Uh, the other question, I guess, is you know, for a lot of students, you know, they may not realize that they don't have this kind of knowledge. I mean, I, I assume that you're also looking at situations where you might be able to help people that have more uh, you know, immediate and emergency sort of financial needs, especially if you're talking about getting them across the finish line with graduation, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, um, as, as Julie mentioned, you know, this, this, uh, this initial cohort, um, and, and, it, and I'd like to point out too that um, PNC Bank, uh, Brian Keeler and, and Ann Graves, uh, they've been uh, so supportive of this project uh, from the beginning, which I guess we're, we're still in the first or second inning. Um, you know, I've seen students in class where, um, you know, we ask them to fill out a, a statement of net worth. Uh, and, um, you know, I've, I've seen students that have spent, you know, racked up thousands and thousands of dollars in credit card debt on sneakers, uh, you know, or, or, or video games or, or those types of issues. Um, and, and they don't quite understand that connection with the, the credit cards. Uh, and, and one of the things I, I try to keep saying to them, Craig, is, you know, becoming, becoming independently, becoming financially independent or poor is the journey of a thousand miles with the death by a thousand cuts. And, and one of the first things that Julie and I have the students fill out is we have them keep a daily spending diary for about a month and we ask them to observe, you know, to, to make observations. And, and undoubtedly the number one item that the students come back with is they can't believe how much money they waste eating out. Uh, you know, and if you're, if you have a three day a week, if you're a three day a week Chipotle diner for lunch and that's 36 bucks, you know, say it's $12 a meal, $36 a week. 
if you do that all year, that's almost $2,000 for 150 meals, you know, and, and if you, you've got to make three grand to net 2000. And, and so it's really helping them get their eyes on their behavior so that they can observe it themselves and course correct. And, uh, and, and that's a lot of Chipotle. It's not, not that good. for (laughs) (laughs) So, but there's something that I was reading in here too. And this is something that I remember speaking to, uh, uh, former Wayne state president, um, uh, I, I want to say this goes back a ways, David Adamani, as a matter of fact. So this is one of the things that he was really, really concerned about back then was the number of students who were not graduating from Wayne State at the time, but still had racked up amazing amounts of student debt. Um, and so, you know, you talk about getting them over the finish line, the graduation rate. I mean, the income differential between graduating and not graduating is significant. Everybody knows this. But there is a huge number of people out there that have not graduated from school that are still carrying around that student debt burden. Um, I, I, how, do you, how do you make sure that this financial education is something that helps minimize that situation? Wow. I don't know, Julie, I'm going to give that one to you. because it's, 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 it's a difficult one. And it's something yeah. that the university and not just Wayne State, but a lot of universities have struggled with for a long time. We do have, I mean, a couple of years ago, we launched the Warrior Way Back program, mm-hmm. which was designed to help returning students, returning adults who were, you know, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, maybe 10, 15 credits shy of a degree and give them a, a heavily discounted break to try and help them matriculate. Um, I, don't, I don't know enough about that program, Craig, to tell you how effective it's been, but I do know it's something that the leadership at Wayne has taken seriously and, and that we have... Uh, put something out in the world to try and help those students at least complete their degree. Because as you pointed out, there is a big delta or a big difference uh, in lifetime in lifetime earnings. If you, you know, if, if you're somebody who has some college versus a bachelor's degree. And, and so that's something we're definitely mindful of. You know, I think it was Irv Reed that uh, the, the past president of Wayne State, Irv Reed, really kind of opened up the door and said, hey, you know, college is about access uh, and an unintended consequence of that was, you know, we we let a people, a lot of, you know, people in that might not have been able to really get to the finish line. Well, and, and Julie, I mean, you know, this is something that you guys are trying to get done here to, you know, uh, solve some of these longstanding issues and, and improve people's financial literacy. Are there other programs that you can look at around the country uh, that'll give you some sort of a guidepost as to uh, as to how it should be done, or is this sort of new territory? All right. I'm really glad you asked that question, Craig, because yes, there are some very strong programs um, that we are looking at and trying to understand like what are the really critical elements that make these programs effective with students. And it's one thing to say that you have a program. It's quite another thing to say that you're getting results and you're tracking the results. And I think that's going to be one of the things that sets our program apart is that we're, we're going to be taking a slightly different approach than some of the other approaches. You know, we're starting to see and, and study at other universities. We're going to combine sort of the work of a very empathetic social worker with behavioral economic techniques that work. So that we'll be working individually with each student over a period of time, you know, really forming a relationship with that student or a partnership so that they can really internalize the tools 
the financial toolkit that will help them stabilize their lives financially right now, as well as into their, you know, adult life. That makes sense. Uh, and and I, I sort of want to get into this before we run out of time here. I do want to talk a little bit about this. Um, one of the things that uh, you point out in, in the materials that I was reading about this program, and, and, and frankly, I found out about this just by reading a post you put up on LinkedIn, Matt, and I thought it was just a, a cool idea and something that, you know, is not discussed enough. Um, but one of the things you point out is that, you know, good financial health is critical if we indeed are going to create a new a group of entrepreneurs out there uh, and that the confidence level of going into business for yourself goes up exponentially if you are confident in how the financial system works. Uh, there are a ton of people out there and you look at all the business incubators, including places like Tech Town that are out there, you see a lot of people that want to take this step, but they just don't know how to go about doing it. Is this sort of that last little thing that they need to give them the boost, the push to, to go for a, a new business idea? I, I think so, Craig, and, and I think it's kind of a underappreciated part of the entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time serving the ecosystem, you know, Tech Town and Michigan Women Forward and so on and so forth. And, you know, if you're, if you're trying to start a business and you're trying to raise capital for that business, you, you still need to borrow money from someone. And if, if it's not a traditional bank, it might be a micro lender. It might be your own personal credit card. Uh, you know, it, it, it might be somebody like a tech town or, or a Michigan Women Forward. And, and if you have a, a really delinquent history of, of um, supporting your loans, it doesn't matter how good your idea is. Or, um, you, it's going to be really hard for you to raise money to, um, to try and open up that business. So uh, I, I think that this is an important part of that process. And um, I, I, I I not only I, only, I not only want to see us help more students have the balance sheet that they need to pursue their ideas, uh, but to also raise awareness of personal finance is something that does help, uh, does help add um, uh, Tinder to the, the entrepreneurial eco and the small business ecosystem. Well, I, I do want to know what your capacity is right now. Um, how many people are you able to assist at this point in time? And, and uh, what are the plans for growth? Julie, you want to you take a stab at the, the pilot we're, we're launching this year? Yeah, so um, we're going to be launching a pilot of 10 to 15 students where we work with each student to set a specific one, that is, goal that's really important to their current financial situation. And then we're going to um, give them the financial coaching that they need as well as help them build the tools to achieve that goal. That pilot is gonna last probably nine months because that's about how long it takes to help somebody achieve a financial goal. And then from there, we hope to scale it. Really, the essence of our center is that we wanna challenge the premise that racial and economic status predetermines individual destiny. We believe that with the right skills and opportunities, a person's social and economic background doesn't have to inhibit their success in the future. Well, and, and that's, like I said, at some point, this could be just something I would like to see this as part of mandatory, uh, you know, curriculum uh, at a place like Wayne State and any other university for that matter. I think it's something that's been missing in our system for quite a while. 
well, I, I want to thank my guests. Again, uh, Matthew Rowling is the founding executive director of Wayne State's Office of Business Innovation and also Julie Hollinshead, adjunct faculty member of the finance department at the Mike Illich School of Business at Wayne State and also the president of Hollinshead Advisory Services, LLC. Uh, thank you both. Uh, this is a, a cool program and hopefully uh, we start to see some positive results coming up in the next few months. Thank you very much. Thank you, Craig. And thanks to all of you for checking out the program today. I really do appreciate it. If you like what I'm doing on this show, make sure that you rate the program. Make sure that you like it, that you share it with your friends. Let them know that we're out here doing this. Thanks to all of you for checking it out. I really do appreciate it. Thanks to Deadline Detroit for making uh, this platform available to me so that I can continue conversations like this in this new sort of digital media world. Um, It's fun for me, and I enjoy it very much. Uh, Also, keep in mind, you can always reach out to me, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. That's thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. You've got something that you want to highlight, something you think I should be talking about. Hey, make a pitch. You never know. Also, keep in mind, on Friday, it's the week that was on Deadline Detroit. I, of course, host that. It's part of the Craig Folly Show, but I gave it a separate name because it's a weekly panel discussion about all the things that are happening around the globe that we want to talk about. And there's always lots going on. There certainly has been in this post-election period. We're going to get into a lot of that on Friday. I guarantee you we're going to have some fun. And we always do. A couple of special guests, some regulars, Nancy Derringer and Alan Lengel from Deadline. And, of course, your comments are welcome as well. So, you know, if you want to comment while you're watching this, because we do it live at 1130 on Fridays, 1130 a.m. Fridays typically. We usually start within five-minute window of that. And... If you are there and you're on the Craig Folly Show page, you can comment and we can see those comments and put them on the air so other people can read them and let them know what you're thinking about the stuff that we're talking about. It's that kind of participation I'd like to see. And in this COVID era when we're not together, you know, that's about as good as I can do at the moment. Can't really take calls with my current setup here in the bunker studio, but um, one of these days, who knows, maybe we'll get to that. But that's about it for today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget... Again, like the program, share it, rate it. That stuff all matters. And word of mouth is huge. We're getting more listeners than we ever have, which is great, but we need more. We always need more. So tell your friends about us. If you think that there's something of value that you get from this show, let them know. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Have a great one, everybody. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership.